Welcome to this week's edition of Coach Prep. Coach Don and I are here in the Cherokee Batting Range Podcast Studio getting ready to record episode number 48. Number 48 is going to revolve around a discussion I had with uh, one of my clients yesterday. His daughter is playing middle school softball right now and some concerns that he's having because the level of competition is drastically different between what she's facing now and what she typically will face with the travel ball team that she plays on. So before we get into that conversation, Don, let's talk about Cleat It Up. Cleat It Up FP is the communication tool you need to use to solve all your communication challenges within your team or within your organization. Check them out at cleatitup.com for Cleat It Up FP. Also want to talk about Nexair. Nexair is a Memphis-based industrial gas, medical gas, research gas, welding supply, and safety PPE supplier. With strategically placed retail locations, sales branches, and distribution centers throughout the southeast, Nexair is never too far away. They maintain centralized product warehouses to serve you better and be more reliable. Through our services, you can receive the products you need when you need them. Our fleet of trucks will get you the gas you need when you need it. If you're interested in any Nexair product or service or just want to talk through your options, please get in touch. Our customer care team at 888-639-2474 will help you find the branch or outside sales rep in your area. Please reach out to Nexair. They'll take care of all your needs. Well, Don, you've been doing this for a long time, and I'm sure you've had this same conversation with parents and players over the years. Um, we're very fortunate here in the in the state of Georgia and in the Atlanta area that a lot of our kids get to play pretty competitive softball yes. on the travel ball side. And then they also have the opportunity, they come right off of the travel ball season and head into our school ball season here because the school ball season's in the fall. I think that that's part of what makes the challenge here a little bit more daunting for some of the kids and some of the parents because we go from playing really high-level, really competitive softball and then, boom, turn right around and go into something that is just by the nature of it going to be less competitive and probably less demanding. I think in other parts of the country where they play their school ball in the spring, it's not quite so noticeable because they kind of have that spring season that school ball season is kind of a lead-in to travel ball. So the fact that they go from one level to what probably is a higher level doesn't seem as as stark. But So I wanted us no. to talk about it because whether it's um, coming off a of travel ball, going into school, or coming off a of school and going into travel ball, I think we're losing a lot of sleep over something that we don't necessarily need to be. No, Tori, I think you're exactly right. And whether it's the high school level, I think that there is... Uh a little bit of difference in between your travel season and your high school season, but in particular, it's the Metro. They call it Metro ball or middle school ball yeah. or the six, seven, eight grade levels. Yeah. The difference between high level travel ball and what they're seeing at the middle school or prep school ball for high school is really pretty big and substantial in some cases. Right, And it can be really frustrating. That's kind of a situation where we've been pushing that age group to be able to accommodate really high-level pitching. And that's what their focus has been, and, and that's what they've been seeing. And then, you know, when we do get to the the school setting, there's other kids involved and, and different levels, and, and it can be tough making that transition back and forth and be very frustrating. Right. And But the the sell and, and the idea for, for the students that I talk to is that, uh, you know, this is a great opportunity for us to work on timing and being patient and, you know, work on things like show bunt hit away to find good timing and to build a, a, a little bit stronger hitting repertoire for when we do 
face lower level pitching and travel set settings too because we've got to beat you know the lesser skilled teams to get a chance to play the right. high end group and and the more the opportunity that we have now to to work on that stuff the better right so. well you touched on a really important point and this is something i think that applies to all training and 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 for all hitters one of the things that always drives me crazy is when i have somebody come to me and say I hate slow pitching. I can't hit slow pitching because I think that's a sign of a lack of confidence or a lack of maturity. But I understand where the frustration comes in because you you hit the nail right on the head. We spend all our time working our butts off to help kids be ready to hit the very best pitcher they'll see. We spend all our time getting ready to face the whoever the Monica Abbott of your world is. So that best pitcher in your travel ball circuit, that best pitcher in your high school circuit, the best pitcher you're going to see, best travel ball, whatever it might be. The challenge is we work really hard to help kids get really good at being faster and more powerful and more efficient because we know that if we're going to win the championships, if we're going to win the big games, we've got to be ready to beat the best pitchers. Got to be able to do it, yeah. But the reality of it is the best pitchers is less than 10% of the games we'll play. Right. And I don't care how good the travel ball team that you're on is, if you play 50 games, you didn't see 50 great pitchers. <laughs> right. You saw 10 great pitchers, and you saw 30 good pitchers, and you saw 10 not-so-good pitchers. A little bit weaker. Yeah. Right. So the challenge is the same for all of us, whether it's um, across the travel ball season or across the school ball season or the transition from one to the other is that we have to just get our heads wrapped around the idea that we're going to work our butts off to be ready for the challenges that come on every once in a while, not the everyday challenge. And the weird thing is, too, Tori, when you're training and stuff like that, it's fun to hit fast pitching. It's fun to see what you can do and to try and learn and see how hard the ball jumps off your bat when, when uh, you know we're, we're facing and working on something that's really competitive. It's something that we've got to do. We've got to work on the slow stuff, too. And it just seems more laboring to to do it, but, right? Uh, but this really does uh, provide an opportunity and makes it more evident, you know, how much we need to to focus at least at this point in the year, right? On being able to transition back and forth from the fast to the slow, right? And your point, Don, earlier that I think is what this really boils down to is we know we spend all this time getting ready for great pitchers, but we don't face great pitchers all the time. We got to beat the bad so, ones. So this too. is our opportunity to work on our skills, to work on our confidence so that when we face an average pitcher or a bad pitcher, that we still go up to the plate confident that we can hit and confident that we can do our job. If I'm walking up to the plate watching some girl who I've seen throw and I know she's slower than I'm ready for, if I walk up there going, oh, I hate slow pitching, oh, I hate slow pitching, I can't do anything with slow pitching, well, guess what? You can't. Right. If you think you can't, you probably can't. Yeah, if you're walking up there thinking, I hate this, I don't want to do this, I'm not good at this, this is going to make me look stupid. I, you know, The reason I wanted us to talk about that is because I keep hearing this justification, and I keep hearing people explaining to me, They're well, you can't it. hold that against her. It's okay that she sucks against or, bad pitching. Or we're taking a step back. Yeah, we're, we're, our... not, we're not going to let her lower herself to the level of hitting a 40-mile-an-hour pitcher. That's below her. She's ready for 60. And right. it's just such a cop-out. Even if you're ready for 60 or 65 or 70, doesn't mean that you get to pick and choose who's going to pitch those days. Right. You can't decide, I'm not going to be ready or I'm not going to try very hard today because this pitcher's not as good as I want her to be. And we don't want for her to have a 
great successful day just because she's not as advanced as you are. Right. right? And and so if our leadoff hitter walks back to the dugout after struggling against a slow pitcher going, oh, I hate slow pitching. Well, guess what? We've just planted the seed that it's okay for all of us to struggle today. And Right. That's a, and, and, and it's contagious. And if I'm a yeah. parent and I'm saying, well, sweetheart, don't worry about that. This girl's not, she's so far below your ability level. You're ready for somebody who's much better for her. It's okay. <laughs> You know, it's it's okay if you're not if you don't do good against this girl because she's not up to your standard is the craziest thing I've ever heard. What a bonus opportunity for uh, an up and coming pitcher, right? That maybe doesn't have as much experience yet. Yeah, yeah. And, and I know there's differences from baseball to softball, but you can tell me if I'm crazy. But when I watched a kid warm up and he was throwing 70 miles an hour, I walked up to the plate with my eyes as big as saucers. I couldn't wait. Right. When I saw somebody throwing 90. He started. I was puckered up before I even got up around there. a little bit, and, uh, yeah. and we worked hard at getting ready to hit fast pitching in baseball too. But there was no cop out that said it's okay to not be ready for slow pitching. So, but so back to the the point I want to make is that the different types of teams that we're playing on, the different kinds of challenges that we face. If we go from being on one of the best travel ball teams in the country on Sunday. And on Monday, we go to practice with our middle school, and our middle school team has got two good players, and you're one of them, and seven of your friends that barely play softball at all, and four or five girls that have never played softball before but are just coming out for the team because they want to learn. Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Well, it's up to you to decide whether it's going to be a bad thing or a good thing, and I personally think it's a good thing. Oh, absolutely. No, I think that's a great opportunity for us to uh, become more well, well-rounded and things that we talk about in the past about figuring out how we can rather than why we can't. Yep. I want to figure out how I can accommodate whatever challenge is put in front of me today. And that challenge might be to be patient. It might be to uh, you know, be more disciplined because the pitches aren't all in the strike zone like they typically would be. Right. And uh, I just want for us to figure out, uh, you know, things that are good about it rather than the negatives, because that's just going to drag us down. And I don't want to waste the next couple of months. I want to make it productive. And if being productive means learning how to go opposite field because all the pitchers are keeping the ball away from me or whatever it might be, we need to make sure that we're taking advantage of this and keeping a good mindset. I think you were perfect on that Tori if if mom and dad have already planted the seed that this is you know wasteful time then uh, that's what it's going to become right and and if we can create an environment where uh, where they're challenged to see well I want to see you know if you can go opposite field you know on all the at bats today or whatever it might be let's let's make it fun and exciting that right. way and and rub off in a positive way on these people that are maybe not quite as experienced as we are and whether it be our teammates or our opponents and, and make them excited about the game that we're so passionate about and right. and make things uh, exciting for everybody. I think right. it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, and so you know the, the question kind of revolved around is playing a lower level of competition going to somehow set me back on my quest of becoming the very best player I possibly can? And to me, I think the, the question should really be, what can I learn from playing in this environment that's going to make me a better player? So right. instead of looking at it as a as a threat, to look at it as an opportunity, as you said, to you yeah. turn it into what I can accomplish, what I can get out of it. Reality is, you know, I'm I'm aspiring to be, you know, the best player in the state, the best player in the country. I want to play big time college softball. I want to play on the Olympic team. And I'm in a school ball setting where none of my teammates have similar aspirations. Then it's up to me, as you said, to share your love of the game, to show them what it can be like, to learn to be a leader, to help people that are less talented than you or less advanced as you. 
and, and to use that as a chance for you to share your passion and share your love with other people and see if you can't spark a few more of them to start to love it. doesn't sure. mean they're going to aspire to be on the Olympic team, but if I'm a typical school ball player and I've got a player on my team who's really, really good, part of me wants to figure out, well, how did she get to be so good? What can I do to start to try to catch up with her? What are the things that she's doing in practice that she's better at than I am? What are the things that I can learn from watching her that I can start to add to my game? Absolutely. And so if you're that talented player, you know, if you realize that that's the impact you can have, I think that you can be a really you know, positive impact on your team and you can learn some things along the way. You know, from a personal growth position, come to grips with the fact that no matter how good you are, no matter how high the level you play at, you're always going to face pitching that seems less than what you're challenging yourself for. Right. If you're the starting shortstop at UCLA, you're facing and, and setting yourself up to face the very best pitchers in college softball at the end of the year when you go to the College World Series, and you spend all your time training to be ready for that. But guess what's going to happen when you play in the regional? Not There's going to be some good. team that's going to come in with a pitcher that throws 55 miles an hour and, and has a changeup. Floating and moving it around. Right. And mm-hmm. you know it doesn't happen often, but you want to be the hitter that is so dumbfounded by that, that's so quick to give up on it, that you can't help yourself and help your team win that regional so that you get to go to the Supers. So we can either struggle and conquer it now, or we can struggle and... And conquer, and maybe not maybe conquer not it later. Conquer it right, or, or yeah. maybe suffer the embarrassment of not being able to... Accommodate. Uh, ...show out what you're really capable of doing. So the level of competition is something that we just want to make sure that we're applying our same work ethic, our same dedication, our same training to being good at doing whatever the challenge is that I face that day. So yes, I want to be ready to hit somebody who can throw 70. But today my challenge is I've got to figure out how to hit somebody who throws 35 miles an hour and the ball has an arc on it. Is that challenging? Of course it's challenging, but it is doable. And I had this discussion with one of the kids the other day and I, and I thought it was kind of funny. She was starting off on this path of, well, it's just so much, you know, it's just so challenging. You know, we work so hard to be fast and explosive and efficient. And then this girl's throwing at 35 miles an hour and it's like, it feels like forever. And I said, so why is that challenging? Well, it's hard to wait. Well, yeah, it's hard to wait, but if you get good at waiting, then you'll be good at hitting Yeah, and you'll be able to adjust. Well, but it, you know, and she kept trying to come back with excuses and I kept having answers. And then she said, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing slow pitch. And I looked at her and I said, well, you know, just so you know, you know, slow pitch is kind of a fun game. You know, it's it's got some benefits. And I said, you know, why I always loved playing slow pitch when I when I got older. And she looked at me because I hit eight hundred. And right. she said, well, what do you mean? I said my batting average was eight hundred. I would go all day and not make an out because the ball was moving so slow that I could hit it where I wanted to hit it every time they pitched it. But you had to work at it. But I had to practice it. I had yeah. to get better at it because. Just like everybody else who played baseball, you spend all your time hitting 80, 85, whatever it is, and you spend all your time practicing for that. Well, the first time I played in a slow pitch game, I looked like an Could, idiot. Couldn't hit a thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, striking out in a slow pitch game is hard to do, but I managed to do it. But because I wanted to be better at the game I was playing that day, I got better at it. Right. And she looked at me and was like, you hit 800? And I said, yeah. I said, when I made an out, it was like a shock to me. I was like dumbfounded that I wasn't on first base. Sure. Wow, that would be kind of fun, wouldn't it? Well, there you go. And I said, yeah, it would be fun. So next time you see a girl throwing you 35-mile-an-hour pitch that's got an arc, 
work on the skills that you need to be able to stay back, wait for the ball, still take the same swing you would take if she was throwing 70, but you would just have to wait three seconds or whatever it is for the ball to get there. Work on the timing. And then it was like a light bulb came on. And so then we spent some time working that day on, so here would be simulating a pitch that's like really fast. Here's a pitch that feels like it would be medium. Here's a pitch that would be really slow. And for me doing front toss with the full circle, I was having a hard time going slow enough Right. To make the ball have an arc on it in the batting cage. You can change the distances right. between you but, and the batter, too. But so we worked yeah. on that, and all of a sudden, like, wow, it's easy to hit it when it's slow. It's easy to hit it when it's slow. Now that you're thinking it's easy it's to hit it when it's easier, slow. It's easier, right? Yeah. So I think we just have to make sure that we're, you know, we're keeping our eye on the prize. So parents, players, if you're in a situation where, you know, at certain times of your softball journey, you're playing at a level that's way different than the level that you ultimately want to play at, it's not a threat. It's not a terrible thing. It's just another opportunity for you to learn some new things, some different things that are going to make you a better player in the long run. Absolutely. And I promise, even though you hit a girl that threw 30 miles an hour on Thursday, it will take you like two swings to get ready for the girl who's going to throw 65 on Saturday. Which you've done so many of your reps at. Right. Right. It, you, you are not unlearning what you have learned. You know, the, the Yoda line, you must unlearn what you have learned. <laughs> well, you're just learning new things. And those new things that you add to the toolbox just make you a better and more complete player. So the challenge of the different levels of competition, it is a challenge, but it's a challenge that if we rise to it, Make it fun for everybody. Yeah, yeah. If, we, if we rise to it, it's going to be fun. We're going to enjoy the fact that we get an opportunity to be at practice and be with our friends. Fielding, the, throwing. Yeah, yeah. and because the one thing I've always loved about school ball is those are the kids that you really are friends with. You know, you're, you're friendly with your travel ball team, and those are people that you're close to, but there's something about being on a team with somebody that you've been in school with since kindergarten. And if you're one of those great players, they, you know, they look up and admire yeah. all the hard work and skill that you've acquired. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so parents, fun. don't don't panic if your kid's playing school ball and it's not as good as travel ball. Guess what? It's not going to be. They're going to be just fine as long as you keep their attitude right. You help them keep their attitude right. You keep your attitude right about it. Everybody's going to be just fine. I love it. All right. So, Don, that's going to wrap up episode number 48 of Coach Prep. As always, please check out cleatedup.com and our Patreon page. We really want you to check out our Patreon page. It's Patreon. P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash everything fast pitch. We're looking for patrons. Please donate. We have the $5, $10, and $20 level. And as Don said, we need help. We're trying to grow everything fast pitch and grow coach prep. And we need your help to make it happen. We know we've got a couple thousand people that listen every week. And if a few of you can help us every, every month, that would go a long way towards helping us continuing to grow everything fast pitch and uh, to keep things growing uh, the way we want to with Fast Rich Prep and everything that we've got going on. So for uh, Coach Don McKinley and our producer, Stan Lewis, this is Coach Tori uh, wrapping up episode number 48 of Coach Prep. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>